Younger, I held some dumb beliefs and used some words I shouldn't have said. I learned them in the streets. I read some sci-fi and played Super Nintendo. That's why I was so drawn to the story in a book called Ender's Game. See, Ender, he was smaller and he learned how to fight. In battle school, that little kid, you know he did alright. And about that time, I was so lost at school. And after class, I go down to the local shop and buy some X-Men comics too. See, Superman, he was never my thing. More content in watching Magneto just do his thing. And Ender's Game became the speaker for the dead and Xenocide. And read the last page of children of the mind but i put them books aside because i found the man who made them was full of irrational hatred i read them in his statements i made it a conscious decision stop reading the series then this when in this game truly came to an end if superman was real you know i think he'd feel he wouldn't want a man of hate to tell a story if superman was real you know the man is steel he'd say all people could just share in the glory in the sun because it shines on like all shapes and colors sisters and brothers he'd want humanity to just love one another whether same sex or hetero he'd say it's better though if you find love don't let it go you were not alone now that i'm older though i learned from past mistakes back when i was an ignorant ingrate i've changed my ways that's why i can't forgive the art for the creator because i know the views can change later but card is still a hater and hate has got no place nowhere on superman's face not from the dirt on his boots or every tear in his case he fought for something great and greatness lies in helping the world come together for every lex luther neocon whatever and we can all change for the better and there's few things that's better Example through stormy weather Whether rain or shine You know that S on his chest stands forever That's why Superman is just better Than some author with a record of hate And believe me, yo, I used to be a fan of his Every book was great And though I buy Superman sometimes today I think this here's gonna make me go back To my high school ways Superman was real You know I think he'd feel He wouldn't want a man of hate to tell a story If Superman was real You know the man is steel He'd say all people could just share in the glory hey Aaron sir do you feel there is enough conversation in that Marvel first teaser to warrant her now I mean there's really nothing been revealed yet no no well, I thought there was like, what no I was say we could make fun of well first we had arterial you know you'd think if you have Marvel now that would be first how can you have now before first how can first come after now because now is now which is first and first or is second current. now is at least current First should have come before now. Yeah, it's the I think same hash, reason. Hashtag Marvel. Then <laughs> it, is, it is the same reason, Andrew, that Infinite Comics are apparently finite. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, Tim. Hey, Aaron, sir, did you want to chat about Vibe? Yeah, we can chat about Vibe. No, what? Let's do it. Wait, wait. Well, are this we is going to be the. We are now making this the Aquaman Vibe podcast. Uh, <laughs> Are we talking about? And Aaron? by the way, I read Aquaman this week. Did anyone else watch Arrow this week? No. No, and no. nobody better ruin it for me. Goddamn. Oh, goddamn. I've got quite a few episodes saved up on the DVR. Yeah, it's it's, it's built up on the DVR. I was, okay. I'm going to go through it this weekend. All right, all right. I, I I didn't watch it, but I hear Wonder Woman shows up and kicks Nancy butt. Well, like, <laughs> like kicks one in the throat with her knee. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this was <clears throat> by far the best episode of the series. And it was written by Jeff Johns. Well, it wouldn't be hard. No, it's actually been a good show. Aaron. 
It's not really. It's not really been a very good. Okay, show. save it for the show. Say, hey, hey, save it for the show. No, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. Then go for it. It's not a very Fight. good show. Oh, I love that show. It's not it's, very well written. It's not very well acted. I watch it. Don't get me wrong, but uh, if it never came back on again, I would not miss it. Wow. See, I haven't God watched. I haven't watched any of this season or this uh, second half of the season yet because they're all saved up on the DVR. Uh huh. But I love the first half. I think there have been some some shining moments, but uh, I don't think that it's particularly good. Really, I have enjoyed. Kind of like this show. <laughs> oh no, no, this show is quality. When I was, after I was engaged, I got Catholic uh, Catholicism for dummies. <laughs> you know, I didn't know anything about the saints or you know, you know, the Pope. I, you know, I wasn't into the whole. I mean, even though I'm really surprised that that book it didn't have anything about popal prophecy in it. <laughs> <laughs> back in the when the pope gets coronated later this week back in the day i picked up dos for dummies and uh, uh i remember i was sitting at my desk one day and i was i was flipping through you know because it's back before uh you know windows was a thing and uh <laughs> the guy from it walks by and he sees the book and he's like can i see that for a second <laughs> and i'm like sure and i hand it to him he says i can't ever buy this but i'm really curious about what's in it <laughs> Yeah, dude. There's a there's a feed since we're talking about Instagram. Uh, there's a feed I follow called No Days Off. Oh, Team. Sorry, Team No Days Off. It, it's you know supposed to help motivate you to you know exercise, which I need motivation. I gotta tell you, some of the pictures they put up, these women are just they are just ripped. Oh yeah, it is just breathtaking how amazing. Uh, like there's one the other day if you're looking at, she's got a uh, a white sports bra and a, like a blue shorts on. She is just chilled. Like, Jesus Christ, I need to get back to the gym. Well, yeah, you know, she's going to tell you, hit me in the stomach as hard as you can. <laughs> Do it, Andrew. Hit me in the stomach as hard as you can. Oh, there's this one of this girl doing, uh, I can't remember what that position's called, and there's a guy standing on her back. Missionary. You know, my, <laughs> and, then doing, and, then doing, and then doing a squat on her back. My, my brother is five years older than me and was a was a big uh, you know workout guy and so he'd do that he'd lift up a shirt hit me in the stomach as hard as you can do it you know and so you know you'd do it and you know it was like, yeah yeah you know so one time I do it and I hit him and I hit him really hard and yeah. I took I took such an ass beating <laughs> hit me in the stomach as hard as you can hey that hurt <laughs> uh, big brothers. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I, I'm I'm the big brother, and I never did that because I never had the washboard abs. Yeah, I didn't have the six pack. I had the keg. Yeah, that's how Houdini died. Hit me in the stomach as hard as you can. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think he said that, but he got hit in the stomach say, really doubt, hard. Got I hit doubt your facts here. Andrew. I will check. But he he suffered some sort of abdominal trauma. It wasn't like he got shot with a you know cannonball or anything. So he got he got punched in the stomach. I'm pretty sure he died. My, my brother and I used to get into you know knock out dr- knock down drag out fights and one time we were fighting upstairs and I threw him down the stairs and so he goes toppling head over heel down the stairs and hits the landing and just is flat out on his stomach and just is motionless still you know and so I stand there and I'm I'm looking down and I'm like I've killed my brother I've killed my brother and I turn around and I run into my mom's room and lock the, the bedroom door. <laughs> and I and I hear from downstairs, "You little shit, you are going to come down here and check on me." So he comes upstairs and he just starts beating on the door. "You let me in there. You let me in there." And I'm just like sitting on my mom's bed like, "Nope." 
not letting you in. Because, <laughs> you know, if I was going to take a beating before, I was really going to take a beating now. And so it gets it gets eerily quiet. And then the next thing I know, he's taking the hinges off the door. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. And there's just nothing worse than seeing your locked door just all of a sudden be pulled free of the hinges. <laughs> Horrible. And that's when Aaron learned you have to have a, you have to hide behind doors where the uh, the hinges they, on your side exactly, of the door exactly where the door opens into the room. <laughs> we're we're I, all riveted now. What happened after that? He beat the living shit out. Of me. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> that's what I thought, but I yeah. wanted to hear Aaron actually say. No, no, he beat the living shit out of me. All right. yeah, it, it wasn't the Shia Malin ending where Aaron was the one at the bottom of the stairs. No, no. <laughs> so here's the story with Houdini. Okay, it was it was October 22nd, 1926. He had just done a, a show at the Princess Theater in Montreal. Later, he was in his dressing room, and a university student was there, and it was like uh, a guy named Jay Gordon Whitehead, and uh, he was he was reputed apparently to be a school boxing star. And he asked Houdini if it was true he could take any punch to the abdomen. Apparently, Houdini was much like your brother. (laughs) Houdini was sitting on the couch, half listening, and mumbled a yes. As he stood up, Whitehead hammered three punches into his belly before Houdini was able to prepare for the blow. (laughs) That evening and next, he continued his performances with with a lot of discomfort. He had a thousand-mile train ride for a two-week engagement in Detroit. His pain got worse. Uh, his, His fever got up to 104 degrees. Uh, he had a, a doctor waiting for him at the theater when he got to Detroit. Uh, he got through his final act. When the, the curtain fell, he collapsed. He went to a nearby Grace Hospital. He was diagnosed with a ruptured appendix. Uh, he had two operations and uh, ended up dying on the 31st. So that was uh, nine days after he was punched in the stomach three times. That's a funnier story than I really thought it was going to be. So what you're saying is that I should never have let my brother say, hit me in the stomach as hard as you can and let him prepare for it. I should have just snuck up on him and hit him three yeah. times really hard. Yeah, yeah. You, should, you have to initiate. When he's like distracted, you should be like, hey, I'm going to hit you in the stomach. Is that all right? He's like, yeah, uh-huh, whatever. And then just, you know, wail on him when he's not. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> See, I got from that story that that Canada is where good Americans go to die. So Randy Quaid is doomed. <laughs> Randy Quaid's been doomed. Who's hey, did Randy I? Randy Quaid. Oh Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ, Wayne. <laughs> I know you watch movies, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, but not Die Hard. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> You guys are all trying to put me in a good mood. It's not going to work. <laughs> all right. No, Wayne's but, a huge Bruce Willis fan, but no Die Hard. I think we should revisit that at some point. <laughs> I don't see if, how if, you can be a Bruce Willis fan. No, unless, no. Unless you've no, seen no, Die we're Hard. Not, we're not going there. Wayne um, is a self-described huge Bruce Willis fan. That is true. Let it go, Wayne. Let it go. I mean, Tim. Tim, let it go, Tim. I was just going to – you ever seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Wayne? Yes. He's cousin Eddie. Okay. Now I know there who you he is. Go. I All just right. don't know actors' names. All right. They're not really people. Th- this is a really good episode, Aaron. We've taught Wayne the Harlem Shake and who Randy Quaid was. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without seeing the Harlem Shake, though. Oh. Oh, Wayne. Wayne. and our cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I'm looking at Bruce Willis's uh, filmography, and I forgot that The Last Boy Scout was a. Uh, one of his films. Okay. Him and like Dave, Damon Wayans, yeah. That's was a fun film. Yeah. Well, and Unbreakable. Not Unbreakable. Indestructible. Love, I, I love Unbreakable. Irredeemable. Is that Unbreakable? No. No, it's, it's Unbreakable. unbreakable. Okay. Oh, I love that movie. Wow, this guy yeah. was uh, Russell Cates in Independence Day. Jesus. 
Have you seen Independence Day? Yeah, I saw it in theaters twice, actually. Looking at all the movies he's been in, I think I've only seen a couple. Well, that's because only a couple are... Well, no, Randy Quaid's been in some good stuff. Yeah, we've mentioned two of them. Yeah, not anything in the last (laughs) few years. uh, Wayne is also a huge Randy Quaid fan. (laughs) 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 He He was really good at Independence Day. <laughs> we're we're never gonna start this podcast. <laughs> I give up. with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim. Uh, I'm Andrew. What is what is with the uh, lack of uh, of energy there, Mr. Andrew? Yeah, you're I really would not say it's it today. What's up with that? I wouldn't say it's a lack of energy. I'm just I'm 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 like a pot simmering. I'm not quite to a boil yet. And I'm just trying to stay at a simmer. Oh, he's waiting. He's biding his time until I we don't get wanna... to our. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to boil over too soon and ruin it. So I'm just I'm just trying to keep it under control. I just oh. think it's nice to all have us together again. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I just talked to you guys like three days ago. Shh, Paul, we can't talk about that. <laughs> We're not supposed to be talking about Rainsboro Season 3 itch. Yeah, why on. not? Season 2 hasn't even been released. Come on. Aaron talked about it on Twitter. Yeah, but nobody reads his Twitter. No, nobody reads Aaron's Twitter. <laughs> I don't Aaron's read Twitter. <clears throat> wait, wait. Funny What's books Twitter? Has- Funny Books has a Tumblr. We do have a Tumblr. <laughs> Asshole. How did I know that? No one has ever that. said anything about a Tumblr in the entire time I've been that, on the show. That is actually incorrect. <laughs> when did you guys talk about it? We, we talked about it a few weeks ago on an episode, and it's actually in the show notes. I probably wasn't on that episode, I'm guessing. Yeah, so clearly you only listen to the episodes that you're in. Uh, who says I listen to the episodes on this? <laughs> Andrew, we need the traffic. Download the <laughs> Oh, no, I download them. I, I've got them set to download. You can download them. You don't have to listen. Just get the right. download count. No, actually, I'm so far. I, I'm actually into January now in my podcast listening. So I'm catching up, but uh, I'm still a bit behind. So you know, because- that's the funny thing is I have mine set to download, too, but I never I never listened to a podcast that I was on. But with funny books, we probably should because Aaron splices things in like crazy. You he never does. know what's going to be in. Hmm. Well, if you're that behind on your listening, you probably aren't aware that we have a Shinku contest. Shinku! Shinku. We, have a sh- we have a Shinku contest? We have a Shinku, have a Shinku contest. contest. Can I enter? You no. may not. Well, you can enter. You can't win. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enter just so you can spite me. <laughs> so we are giving away a two prizes, actually. Um, Ron Mars has donated a signed copy of the Shinku Throne of Blood trade paperback and signed copies of issues one through five. It's the same storyline, um, but, you know, two different ways to get it uh, to this contest. And, uh, you know, all you need to do to enter the contest is to like us on Facebook or leave us an iTunes review, keyword ideology of madness, and uh, 
email us at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com to let us know which review is yours. That's right, Andrew. We have a Facebook page, and we did talk about it, too. <laughs> that I knew about. I actually, I actually didn't know about the Facebook page. That, that I was in for. So, I mean, it, we're not just giving away the trade paperback. We are giving away a signed copy of the trade paperback from writer Ron Mars. So, very exciting. Very cool. I have them in hand. I might give them away. We shall yeah. see. But more than likely, one of you lucky listeners will win. Um, more information is on ideologyofmadness.com. Um, but definitely enter to win. Um, I think the end of the contest is March 15th. That is correct. Yeah, midnight March 15th. Uh, midnight Central Standard Time, March 15th. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. And those books are go- are gorgeous. I I, I own the uh, Shinku trade paperback, and uh, it's just a beautiful book. Yeah, I also own it. It's uh, it's fantastic. So there's there's a little bit of good in in the somber world right there. We're helping people get Shinku. That's right, Shinku. I bought it and immediately started lending it out to people. Did you really? Yep. And what kind of uh, feedback have you gotten? Good so far. Uh, I'm part of a, a group that, well, I, I often get together with a group on Monday nights to paint. And um, so there are a couple people there who are interested. In, so we've kind of been passing it around. And so when, when y'all get together to paint, is there like a nude model there? And, you know. But he's not no. sure if it's male or female. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's miniatures. Like, uh, just, you oh, it's so like, like midget dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Flames of War, Warhammer, Dreadball, oh. uh you know, uh, the, the Bolt Action Saga, these types of games. So not I just real- pictured him driving up to Home Depot and getting a bunch of people together to go paint a house. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, what I had in my head. So, yeah, uh, but you no, know, people have really liked it. Uh, you know, a lot of violence, a lot of, a lot of nudity, a lot of uh, uh, blood. It's it's a good book. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. You know, you're, you're loaning out your uh, trade paperback of Shinku. Yeah. Um, do you... Do you do you do you get a little worried about that the book's going to come back dinged up, dog-eared, that kind of thing? No, I've got a digital copy, so um, so you're, I, you're not trying to protect the shelfware of your comic of, of your of your of your trade paperback. No, no, I mainly bought it to lend it to people. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, I'm that guessing was the, you don't lend things very often, do you, Aaron? You know, I there are some books that I loan out, and I, I have copies, you know, lending copies of, but. Uh, you know, if it's something that's got a, an honored place on the shelf, no. <laughs> Lending <laughs> copies. That's awesome. Every, every I do, book I, do, I buy have, every week gets lent out. I have – see, I, I I can't do that. Um, I, I'll, Paul will tell you about how upset I got with him when he started thumbing through my comics when he and I left. Well, to me – see, so for me, there's a difference. Though. For me, like when I was buying comics every week, it was like I want to be the first one to read them. Right. Once I read them – I have much less care about what happens to them after that. Well, it's like I've got two different versions of Watchmen. I have my hardcover copy of Watchmen, which sits up on my shelf, and it's the version I read when when I go back to reread the series. And then I've got my trade paperback copy of Watchmen, which is the very first uh, uh, collection of it that I bought, and that's my lending copy. And I don't mind it getting dog-eared, water-damaged, what have you, but you know, I'm not going to loan out my, my hardcover copy. No, I, mean, I know. I've got, I know. I've got. If something were to ha- horrible to happen to my Shinku, and I wasn't able to buy a new copy of the the trade paperback, I know I always have my digital copy sure. that I can read. So, uh, because I was buying them uh, issue by issue uh, as it was going on. So, and I think I can honestly say I don't think I've ever loaned anybody a floppy. I don't. I don't think I've ever loaned a single issue out. 
Well, so you've given you've given issues week. out. Yeah, I give I give away a lot of comics. Yeah, but I do. but I don't loan uh, many comics, and I'll say that extends to my role playing game books as well. I've got I've got a very dear friend who said, "Hey, can I take home your uh, your FASA Star Trek books?" No, you may not. Yeah, well, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't lend out something like that. Something no. that's you know 20, 20, 20, 30 years old. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Lend no, that and you can either. go fuck yourself, and we're not friends anymore just because you asked. That's hey, that was my response. Speaking, <laughs> of, lending, speaking of lending comic books, have you had a chance to read any Deadpool? I, you know, I uh, I have read uh, a couple of issues. I haven't had much time to read uh, floppies with uh, the abundance of, of books that we read each week. Well, and do you find also that you know a lot of times when you're out and you would be reading comics, you have your iPad with you, and therefore uh-huh. you're reading digital stuff and not necessarily floppies? That is exactly what, what happens. Yeah, it happens to me a lot. Yeah, That's why Comixology needs lending um, <laughs> capabilities like Amazon Kindle does. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that uh, – I think they'll probably eventually get there. You know, I wonder because you can buy all DC comics through Amazon. Uh huh. I wonder if you can do Kindle to Kindle sharing on your trade paperbacks that you buy through Amazon, your digital trade paperbacks. All that's some homework for you. Yeah, well, I don't know anyone else <laughs> with a Kindle that I can lend a comic to. Okay, so if you're listening to this, you know, make a comment on the site that you've got a Kindle so that uh, Polly can sh- try and share with you. Yes. I'm I'm curious because I've bought some trade paperbacks through uh, Amazon Kindle. In fact, uh, I got like the Teen Titans trade paperback and a couple of the new 52 ones because they're actually better priced than the paperback edition. Which Teen Titans trade? The the new 52 one. Okay. And I got Superboy and Supergirl the same way just because they were only like seven eight dollars. Right. For the first five six issues. But then you would have Teen Titans. <laughs> Why would you pay anybody for that? And isn't ah, wasn't good. And isn't sharing that kind of like spreading malware? <laughs> I was thinking it was more like I thought it was more like spreading herpes. Personally. <laughs> uh, so <Bye>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, eight dollars for a digital collection of uh, you know five or six issues is pretty good deal. You know, yeah, that sounds that sounds like a pretty sweet price. I kind of like that price. Uh, it seems like a value. But I know Paul has some concerns about overpricing. In comic book shops, I do actually. So we have uh, the, the comic shop that will remain unnamed for this story, but we have a comic shop in the area that um, is really shitty. I mean, for lack of a better term, it, it's really is shitty. That, is that your Google review? That's, that's my, that, that is my Yelp review of this comic shop. So, so is this the uh, elbow in the neck comic shop, or is this a different comic shop? Uh, this is the, the elbow and oh no, this is not the elbow in the neck comic shop. Is my regular comic shop. Okay. This is the guy eating raw hot dogs with cheese wrapped around them. Uh, the- uh, <laughs> stop! And wow. not even really shaking from- the hot dog juice off of the wiener. No, 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 just pulling it out of the package and wrapping cheese around it. <laughs> After I woke him up from his nap behind the counter, lying so, down on the dirty floor. That's so, this oh. room. <laughs> um so this comic shop is i mean it, it's it's the definition of you know a guy took a, his attic and put it in a comic shop i mean it is dirty dingy blah 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 but the problem is they also have quite possibly the best selection of action figures and statues and collectibles comic book related collectibles probably within a hour and a half two two hour radius of where i live um so it's kind of a catch-22 but so I went there this week, just kind of looking around, 
And someone calls, uh, and one of his employees walks up to the shelf. He's like, no, I don't see any Batman Incorporated number eight. And the owner goes up to him, and he's like, I forgot to tell you, you're going to get a lot of calls about Batman Incorporated number eight. And I want you to know, it's a $25, $30 book. What? It's officially, a, he's like, it's now a $25, $30 book. And then he goes on. It gets worse. He goes on. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm so pissed off about it. DC Comics didn't tell any of us that this was going to be a big deal book. And then they released the news on the media. And I only ordered my, the copies to make. Uh, he said, I only ordered four more copies than we have boxes for. And he's what? like, I wish DC would have told us. And I'm like, okay, first of all, DC did tell you maybe if he'd come out of his basement he'd see it i'm like you know i how many times have we talked in the last couple of weeks i mean just go on the internet as a yeah. comic retailer it is your responsibility to go on the internet and see what the hot things are going to be so I, I, that that got to me but the fact that it was keep in mind this was thursday right the book came out wednesday and he's like no that's a 25 30 book that's insane oh that stuff pisses me off so bad how can you justify charging that if you can just get it online for – Well, and I mean it's not that he had to pay such a ridiculous amount to get that book. I mean I understand you know, supply-demand, but I mean that's – he is reaping a tremendous reward on the backs of his uh, customers. I mean I, I, I would not shop there anymore. Yeah, I'm always iffy when they up the price for like alternate covers. Yeah. Like if there's an ultra-rare one, I'm, I'm always kind of iffy about how I feel about that. But for just a regular book, no, a retailer should never do this. Not well, on the week it comes out. It's just yeah, ridiculous. I get the variant covers because you have to order a certain number. Like you have right. to order 25 or you have to order 50. So to get your money back to get that one comic, right. you, you want to charge as much as you had to order to just get it. Right. Um, but you know when you're trying to sell just the regular edition of a comic book on the week it came out for 30 bucks, you know that's just get, gouging yep. your customer. You know, I'm going to take a little different stance than you guys are. I'm going to say I, I think what he's doing is – I approve of what he's doing. What? I, I do because it's stuff like this that's going to drive more and more people to digital comic books Absolutely. and make it a more viable, thriving uh, source and it's going to continue to marginalize uh, the print yeah. books. No, you're absolutely right. And as a digital diehard who, who doesn't really do floppies anymore, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, I, I will say, even knowing what was going to happen in Batman Inc. number eight this week, I had no intention of buying it in paper. I mean, you know, you can't put your kids through college on comic books anymore. I don't know if you ever really could. Oh, no, you could. <laughs> it depends on what comics you owned. And Maybe what school you're sending the kid to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's clown college. That's man. right. That's right. Yeah. See, I bought it digital this week just because it was sold out everywhere in print, but I still. You know, I would I would much rather have a physical copy. I only buy digital if I can't get it physical. But hey, I would but never pay the extra. You know, I would not pay any kind of premium price for a book I don't normally read that just has something big happening in it just because it's rare. I would always go to the digital route for that. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Clown College, Grant Morrison wrote a, a little book this week called, uh, you know, The Death of Robin. Well, the book was called Batman Inc. Number Eight, but the story was essentially the death of Robin. I don't recall seeing that on the title page. Well, in fact, it was the, called the, the Boy Wonder notes, Returns. These show notes threw me off. <laughs> so right here, Grant Grant Morrison and the Death of Robin. Before oh, before this train wreck starts, I uh, I want. No, it already I, it already started, Tim. Did you uh, not hear me? It's gonna it's gonna get worse. Um, yeah. 
I, I went back and I listened a couple weeks ago. Paul, I want to I want to make sure that I unpack this so that when the police get here, they know exactly why this happened. <laughs> when you, when we were talking about it, it seemed to me you were on the edge of saying because Grant Morrison created Damian Wayne that he's fully justified in killing him. <laughs> is, is that is that because you were close to saying that you were no, saying I, he had I, a you plan? I, I will absolutely agree with my statement. So wait, 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 Paul. If I kill my son, is that legal? I'm sorry, your son is a human being. It's not illegal no, to kill a fictional character. <laughs> I created him. <laughs> He's my creation. I'm not allowed to just murder him. Once you create something, it becomes its own thing. Now, it's now, not... Andrew, you were only the co-creator. Well, that's true. Ah, I was great. That's true. I'm sure there was an artist though working with Grant Morrison when he created Damian Wayne, though. Yes, I just want to. I just want to make sure that the that you know DC's rights didn't have anything to do with that decision. No, I'm. Here's the thing. Okay, so DC owns the rights to Robin, and DC does own the rights to Damian Wayne because Grant Morrison created this character. And if you create a character in a non-creator-owned book, I mean, you have to accept the fact that the company owns that character. It's it's work for hire. Exactly, it's work for hire. So DC owns Damian Wayne, and if DC allows Grant Morrison to tell the story of Damian Wayne's death because it's a character that he came up with, I mean, if DC's in agreement with it, I feel he's fully within his right to to kill that character. So okay. you're saying, you're saying we as fans do not have proprietary, you know, proprietary no, no, I'm not. Character. I'm not saying that. I was just saying that it seemed to me like you you thought that because he created it, he had like legitimacy to to destroy it without, you know, we no, make I mean, a fuss about it. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously DC has to agree to it and all that stuff, but. I mean, if DC does, yeah, I, it, he had this character arc written for Damian Wayne, and um, you know, I, I think that's what he wrote. No, see, I don't think this was the original arc he had written for Damian Wayne at, at all. Well, okay, I, I can't so, prove I can't prove that, but I think when he created Damian Wayne, he did not have this death in mind for him. Yeah, especially since he says in interviews that when he created Damian Wayne, he thought it was going to be a one story arc very short thing and that he wouldn't stick around yeah so let's talk became like so let's talk a little bit about this so grant morrison was on fat man on batman recently and you know he, he he's talked quite a few times about how he really intended to kill damian wayne after that first story arc that the conclusion of the first story arc would be that you know damian wayne came into bruce's life and died you know in a heroic act kind of just you know, but he liked the character. Fans liked the character, so he continued on with the character for many years beyond what he originally intended. But he, I think, his intention was always to kill the character at some point. Yeah, no, I think that's true. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about. I guess does this? Are, are we ready to talk about Batman Incorporated number well, eight? No, no, not just yet. If I was writing Batman and Robin, and uh, my editor said, <laughs> "Hey, by the way, um, <laughs> fuck your book." Because Grant Morrison said so, I would lose my shit. Yeah. Well, except that all the creators knew that Damian Wayne was dying going into their books. Pete Tomasi, Scott Snyder, they all knew that Grant Morrison was killing Damian Wayne before the New 52 started. I, I just want to say, everyone knows I haven't been a fan of Damian Wayne, although he has been kind of growing on me. I want to say I'm sorry to you, Tim, who's a huge fan of the character, to have a character you like not only get killed, but not get killed in Batman and Robin, the main book where he's focused on, to get killed off in Batman Incorporated, a book that you know only Paul was reading because it's a horrible <laughs> Grant Morrison book, <laughs> okay. and in a bad I, I, issue, 
at that. And well, I, th- I, think I actually gotta... I feel really bad for you guys having lost the character. I would be incredibly pissed off to have you know a character that I loved killed off in some side Batman book and not even the book that focuses on him. All right, all right. So we I feel like this is, a, <laughs> is this a reference to something else? <laughs> I, I, no, I think this is no pro- reference what? at all. I'm okay. just saying you would expect me to go all happy and excited about okay, the okay. because I don't like it. And I'm okay. just saying, no, I feel for you guys. This actually really sucks to lose your character like this. Well, okay. okay. So let's, 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 yeah, let's, talk let's clear this. some points up because I, I think we're going to have, I know we're going to have differing opinions on this. Shock. Grant Moore, Batman Incorporated <sighs> is Damian Wayne's book. Um, you know, Grant Morrison has written the Damian Wayne storyline. Yes. Batman and Robin focused on the, the, Damian Wayne character and Peter Mossy has, but that's not the main Damian Wayne book. No, whoa, it whoa, has whoa, Robin whoa. in its name. I completely disagree with you, Paul. I Batman do too. It, it focuses on the character of Robin. It, okay, it, Batman Incorporated uh, is the story of Batman versus Talia for Damian Wayne. That is the, that has been the concept of Batman Incorporated since the beginning. Yeah, that is Damian exactly Wayne, what the story is. But Damian Wayne existed before Batman Inc. He didn't yes, wasn't he did. created in Batman Inc. He was created in, in was it, it was it Batman? Yeah, he was created in Batman. And so that was right. the start of the story. Grant Morrison. Yes, and then and then he moved in and then he moved into Batman and Robin. Uh well yeah okay because so Batman the, the, Inc. Batman Inc. was released number one after the New Fifty Two because I remember reading it with you. Well, it, it, Batman Inc. started before the New Fifty Two. The second volume of Batman Inc. started as part okay. of the New Fifty Two. Y- yes, yeah. W- was it called Batman Inc. before the New Fifty Two, or was it called something else? Like was it called Leviathan or? No, it was. It was yeah. Well, that, they had a one shot called Batman Leviathan, but Batman uh-huh. Inc. was the the story until. Okay. All right. All right. But no, I I don't think Batman Inc. I. I well, a because it's a much worse book than Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is it, the Robin is in the title. Batman Inc. dealt with all these different people uh, uh, that were part of the Inc. family scattered across the globe. Right? It had uh, Batwing in it. It had the Russian dude. Uh, it had all these different Batmans. And and Robins were in there too. Nightwing was in there. But I would not say it focused. I would not say it focused on Damien. All right. So here's something I want to throw out to you guys. Just a concept here, right? Robert Kirkman writes Invincible. Right. Let's say he hired someone or image hired someone to write a comic about Invincible and his brother, a side comic about Invincible and his brother. And that and even though Robert Kirkman created Invincible, that was the better title. That was the title you enjoyed more was this side title written by another writer. Wouldn't you expect advancements in Invincible's character or the death of Invincible to happen in the pages of the book? written by the creator of the character well this is my difference i would uh, say can can i jump in here tim yes this is my difference invincible is a creator-owned character uh robin is a dc character Uh, robin is a dc character damian wayne though owned by dc was created by grant morris but he but he he was created but he's owned by dc he's owned by dc grant morrison created him he's owned by dc robert kirkman creates and owns invincible so yes for me what robert kirkman does with invincible is the definitive thing for for, for general for general characters owned by the major two no i don't i don't say Hey, that the creator has is the guy who's going to tell the ultimate story in them. Because yeah, maybe it's not an exact analogy. And you're right. It's I mean, not an analogy at all. Because the big difference there you're talking about, Invincible was created in Invincible. Damian Wayne was not created in Batman Incorporated. Yes, that was, was created a title that was created in Batman, later. written by. 
Grant Morrison. And but that's not that. I mean, he's just it, he is just the writer that was on the book, and he even took an older concept and just redid the older concept. He does not own Damian Wayne. He wasn't even necessarily the one that made Damian Wayne interesting for a lot of people. I, I would disagree I'd, on that. I'd like to answer the. I'd like to answer. Go the ahead, question. Tim. Get in there. It be, and I'm, I'm along with Andrew on this. It, it's not. It's not ex- an exact analogy because of the creator um, control. Correct. But wouldn't that decision fall on the editor that says we're selling three times more Batman and Robin books than we are Batman Inc. And I and I don't know that they are. But wouldn't wouldn't that decision be made up by, you know, where the biggest dollar impact is going to be? Well, I mean, it's going to well, sell regardless. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that the story. I mean, unless you want to just. Uh, I mean, what we're talking is, what if Batman Incorporated was just called Batman and Robin, and, and they changed Batman and Robin to something else? I mean, the the fact of the matter is, this was the storyline that was planned from the beginning. And even though Batman Incorporated may not sell as much as Batman, and it actually, I do believe, probably sells more than Batman and Robin. Well, um. Even though that's the case, I mean, this is the this you know, if you have a character arc planned, if a writer has a character arc planned from beginning to end, and this is the book that he's writing, I mean, it, I, I would imagine you know, if you, I mean, it's no different than someone dying in the pages of a crossover book. Well, and keep in mind, not their own the pages of their own book. Keep in mind that that despite our feelings about Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison moves a ton of books for DC, and you know, he has got. He has the ability to write whatever stinking story he wants to write over there because his stuff sells, regardless of how we feel about it. Um, so, you know, when he said when he created uh, Damian Wayne and expressed his intent to kill him at some point in time, DC said, OK, I don't know how that's going to roll out in the future. I don't know how that affects the Batman and Robin book. Um, you know, I know Paul has some thoughts on, on how that's going to roll out. But, you know, that's how that thing happens. It's just like a Bendis over at uh, Marvel said, hey, I want to do this. Most likely they're going to let him do it because he moves a lot of titles for him. You know, and you want to keep that creator happy. So while I, I am absolutely in agreement with everybody here other than Paul, um, <laughs> I think that if you're going to kill the character, I think Batman and Robin was the place to do it. Um, you know, I I came over and bought Batman Inc. number eight, which I think is the first issue of the book I bought since Batman Inc. number one. Same, um, same here. Uh, now, yeah. I will tell you. I didn't even buy Batman Inc. number one because it looked bad. I, but yeah, I, I bought a book I wouldn't normally buy for that. I, w- I will tell you, I rolled out of bed on Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. and immediately went to my iPad and downloaded that book and read it before I went to work. Um, you know, Knowing that, that Damian Wayne was going to die, I wanted to see it before the internet spoiled it for me in terms of pacing and, and all of that kind of fun stuff. Because you know, there was all kinds of crap on the internet about Damian Wayne this week. Um, you know, prior to release day. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to argue that Batman and Robin is a better book. I love Batman and Robin. I enjoy Batman and Robin significantly more than I have enjoyed this volume of Batman Incorporated number eight. All I'm saying is, as a writer, if you know Grant Morrison submitted to DC this outline years ago that Damian Wayne was going to die at some point, and everyone knew this going into the New 52, Pete Tomasi, Scott Snyder, all of those guys. And you know he he killed him in the pages of the story he was writing that was the story that is concluding the story that he started with Damian Wayne seven years ago. And what uh, I'm going to say is that sometimes your creation gets a life of its own and it yeah. trumps the needs of the person that had that story. I, I, you know, and I got to say I agree with you, Tim. I mean, I I understand the artistic integrity of hey, this is the story I wanted to tell. 
Um, but I, I, I agree. I think that I think that Damian Wayne has become a much larger character than um, Grant Morrison ever expected. And, I mean, you know, and, and from his point of view, he's probably like, yes, the death has more meaning, you know, you but, know, you know from, from from my point of view, I I didn't like the idea of the character when it was presented to me. And I remember early on Tim going, this Damian Wayne character is fantastic. And I came in and I mean, they won me over. And I mean, that was a, that was a huge hurdle for them to jump because I've got a huge Grant Morrison prejudice. Yeah, even I have finally been enjoying the character and some of his uh you know some of his crossovers and things. You know, I'm not. I wasn't getting the main book that he was in, which I say is Batman and Robin. I wasn't getting the secondary book of Batman Incorporated, but I loved his interactions with Nightwing last week, and I like some of his interactions over with uh, Helena Wayne and Earth Two. I think a lot of people don't realize that Damian Wayne has been Robin longer than Jason Todd was Robin. No, uh, I, I buy that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and well, um, in in years, not in comic book time. Obviously. Right, no, I get that. Um, but you know, ultimately, I, you know, I do agree. I do agree that the character of Damian Wayne has progressed far more than just Grant Morrison's story, because you know, other other writers, to a certain extent, other writers have created some pivotal Damian Wayne scenes outside of what Grant Morrison wrote the character for well, the character. You were talking and, about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, but I was going to say, but as a character arc. I mean, I feel like – here's the thing. I love Damian Wayne. I hate to see him go. I absolutely hate to see him go. But I have a couple of feelings about that. One is ultimately he had an actual character arc with a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, and he, you know, he, he, he came in as this little bastard, this little murdering bastard, and became a hero, loved his father, and died sacrificing himself, himself to save Gotham. That that is a character uh, arc to me, and I don't know how much you're going to progress the character beyond what we already saw, other than this thing, status quo of he's a spunky little bastard who has moments of sweetness. And I think that's Mike, not the that's not the point of the character, in my opinion. The point of the character is how it relates to Bruce. Yep. That's yeah. where he, that's that's the part that I love about the character more than anything is the parts where Bruce has to fucking say, "That's my son that's doing this heinous shit, and what am I going to do about it? I can't just." You know, no, I agree. But how many more times do we need to see that same story? Is my thing? Is well, my thing? You know, I would, ours, I would buy, an, I would buy an entire uh, run of it, like I have been in Batman and Robin, because and it changes. I'm not the only one. It, it, it changes as it goes on. Go on, Aaron. And well, and I think what bothers me about it is that it's the the death of Robin. I feel like will reset Bruce Wayne to a much more darker, brooding character. And we've got decades of Batman yeah. as a dark, brooding character, whereas we have about eighteen months of you know Batman being being opened with his family, uh, being a father, becoming a, a more warm and let's say it smiling Batman. Um, yeah. and Deciding I would, he was finally ready to move on past yeah. his parents' death. I and mean, I, I, I have a we, – we haven't seen it, so I'm not trying to predict the story. But I, what I really fear is that we are back to dark, broody, you know, I'm a loner, you know, I am the knight uh, yes. kind of Batman. And, you know, while I like that Batman, we haven't seen the other guy in 50 years. <laughs> and not I, nearly long enough. Yeah, and I, that's what bothers me about it. And, you know, and, and I – 
I do like Damian Wayne. Um, I like the the guy he was becoming, and I, there is no doubt in my mind Damian Wayne's coming back because you know it's comics characters come back, and they're either going to Lazarus pit this kid or something else, and he'll be more removed than he was. We, we're gonna we're going to reset his character back to a darker place, which oh, again Red Hood, Red Hood Junior time. Yeah, which oh, is exactly okay. what I don't want to see. I want I. I we did not I, – I, I, I understand busting up the status quo, but we didn't get much of a status quo. Yeah. Well, and there was a, the a lot more room to tell stories well, there. I want to go back to something real quick that we, we're kind of moved past before we get too far past. and Because Paul had been talking about the intent of you know Grant Morrison had this intent. Everybody agreed to it. Well, you know, Alan Moore, when he signed up with DC to Watchmen, had the intent that they would sell for you know a year or so, go out of print, and then the rights would revert back to him. Yeah. And you know he didn't have the intent when he signed up uh, for them to create before Watchmen years later and create an entire universe of his stuff without his without his participation. So I mean I'm just saying that the creator intent is not always what happens. Right. No, corporations absolutely. have these contracts and they can make decisions and say you know it's our character. Your contract doesn't say you get to kill him, and yeah. I don't know if the contract does or not, but you know. I doubt it. We're going to say – we don't want you to kill him, so we're going to say no. We're going to have an editorial mandate say, so you know, you can't kill Damian Wayne if yeah. they wanted to. No, and, and then I the agree. second thing the second thing is that I think one of the reasons this bugs me as much as it does is because you just had this gorgeous, beautiful storyline in Death of the Family. Yep. You, had this fant- you had this masterpiece of a story with the tie-ins and – and the Joker's back, and the the what it did to the dynamic between Bruce and the extended family, and this is like this is like someone comes out with 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 your after dinner mint and just a pile of poop on a silver platter and says, "Here you go. <laughs> you know, we know you've really enjoyed the filet mignon. We know you've enjoyed you know the the Bordeaux. Uh, you know it's been a great meal. And here's some shit to finish it up with. You just <laughs> dig right in there. You take a big old bite of that piece of crap. And you, how does it taste? How does it taste, Paul?" <laughs> You know, it reminds so me wanna... a lot of the death of Captain America, where you finish the whole Civil War storyline. You're at that point, you think, okay, all the characters survived, and then the next issue of a of a book, they kill one of the main characters. When it probably would have been more impactful to have done it during the main story, well, this would have been far more impactful if Damian Wayne would have died at Joker's hands. Oh, yeah, than, you know what? The, no, I got the story that's being told. Perfect I analogy. Like this is a perfect analogy because he did not die in the pages of the Mark Millar book. He died in the pages of Ed Brubaker's ongoing storyline and ongoing plans for the character. Sure, but I'm. I, and I this is the same story. His death, his death would have been much more impactful if Joker killed him. You, you don't think so? Can no, we, I have, can, no, because I mean, I, I hear the thing. I do think it would have been more impactful because for the people in this podcast. But here's the thing. Okay, so <laughs> if DC wants to bring back Damien in two years, assuming Grant Morrison doesn't, then that is fully in their prerogative and fuck Grant Morrison. Also, for people who have been reading the title, I think a lot of people who are upset about Batman Incorporated number eight and the death of Damian Wayne are the same people who have not been reading the title because three issues ago was a future story featuring Damian as Batman. Right. Well, so, you know, I, I, mean, I picked up Batman Inc. number one with the second volume of Batman Inc. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it was awful, and that's why I stopped reading it. It wasn't that I didn't give it a chance eight issues ago. I did, no, and it was it was. And, you know, I mean, I I didn't like Batman Inc. number one. I think the title has gotten better, and I will fully be the first to admit that Batman Inc. volume two, this current volume, is nowhere near as good as what 
um, Grant Morrison did with Batman and Robin, uh, the Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne, Batman and Robin. I think that's my favorite part of his entire run. And I got to say, in, in Batman Inc. number eight, there is a moment where uh, uh, Dick and Damian are talking oh, you know, yeah. while the shit's yeah. going down. And, you know, Damian says, you know, we were the best. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Yeah, that was yeah, the, the, that was, you mean, that was you the mean best. The art, you mean the art where he looked like Alfred E. Newman with the big <laughs> fucking head and the little <laughs> fucking face? I, I am I'm tuning past the inappropriate artwork. Oh my! And God. going just to the words on the page. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah that conversation was good. And that was I, the best part. Best part of the book. Yeah, and there, there there were elements of the book that I really enjoyed. I, I am right there with you, Wayne. Uh, with with you, Tim. The uh, the artwork stunk. Yeah, uh, the, the the artwork stunk up the page. There is one panel in that entire book that was great, and it's when Nightwing and Robin go leaping over the walls. Everything's exploding behind them, and they're they're about to you know throw down on some folks. All right, there's there's two two things that piss me off. Yes, this. Yes. One thing is as is Dan DiDio should have seen this coming, got on a plane and go and went to Edinburgh and kicked this drug riddled Scottish flabby ass of Grant Morrison for killing off one of the best characters that they've had original in about ten years in DC. And the second thing is there's a little there's a little term in wrestling I'm gonna use, so only Wayne's gonna get this. It's called heat. Yeah. And so if you're gonna kill Damian Wayne, why if Grant Morrison's intent was to kill Damian Wayne, why wouldn't you have his mother do it? Why do you have to have this like Azrael looking dumbass character? Well, it? because that's Damian. I mean, the, the Damian is a clone, and this is all that's a that's another clone. Okay, it's another that, and that character has been there since the beginning of the Batman Incorporated story. All right, and I get that, Paul, but do you think he's going to last past issue twelve? No, do I don't. Do I think I think I, just like Dam- I think that is going to be the conclusion of the the storyline, and then Grant Morrison hops out of the title. Well, I'm just – my point is is that if you're going to kill a character, it's the same reason Joker killed Jason Todd. It brought heat to the Joker. You, you're going to get a, a lot of visceral reaction if the mother kills the son in front of his father. Why do you do it with this clone that isn't going to be here in a year? Yeah, in 10 years, no one is going to remember this character in any way. In 10 years, everyone is still going to remember Talia. That would have been the way but, to do it. But I mean, don't uh, maybe I read it differently, but I I do see it as Talia killing him. I mean, Talia Talia was controlling the guy. He could have called him off. She could have called him off at any time. He wasn't begging the guy not to kill him. Damian Wayne was asking Talia to call off the guy. I mean, so and and that's Talia's reaction at the end. I think that Talia was the one who killed him, and I think that's that's what I got out of it. You know, I mean, the guy was just the weapon. Well, she was certainly complicit. She had a hand in it. Yeah, she was complicit in his murder, but she was not the one. It, it, there's a difference between being complicit and then actually wielding the the knife that stabs you in the heart. Yeah, Paul, can you tell me with a straight face that that wouldn't have been a better death if Tali had killed him? No, I can't. I absolutely okay. think if Tali right. had been the one in the room killing him. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That being said, I I do kind of feel like Talia was responsible for it, and yeah. she, she's involved. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, that's <clears throat> the point of the story. I think you know is that the, the parents. You know, Bruce and Talia are fighting, and while they're fighting, you know, this is what happens to Damien. You know, for for me, there is a tremendous amount of emotion on the page with, uh, you know, Dick and Damien having their conversation. I got nothing on the last page with uh, Batman cradling uh, dead Robin. I, I just think that last page is so wrong, you know, that, that you know, you've got all this uh, excellent pacing throughout the first three quarters of the book – and then the you know Batman finally escapes his prison and and he spends you know three pages running down to uh, 
to uh, get Damien, and the pacing is just so off there. And there's this big gap between um, you know Batman falling down the side of the building with with a man bat, and then actually cradling Robin. And I, I just I feel like there's really no emotional weight there. There's more emotional weight on the panel with Talia cr- uh, sharing shedding a tear. You know, a moment of weakness, that's all she says, than there is with Batman cradling Damien. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, there would have been a better impact if it would have been Dick cradling Damien. Absolutely. Here, and yeah. then you deal with Bruce finding the dead body. Yeah, I, I, a better panel. And, I, I, you know, I know we're, we're, you know, armchair quarterbacking this, but I, I think you're right. I think a better panel would have been Dick cradling Damien with Batman coming in the, in the room behind him, you know, having been late. It I agree. would be it would be armchair quarterbacking. However, this is like wrestling one oh one. This is how you build heat and drama in a in a in a book. This if we can see this, how did the editor not see it? It would be better if A, Talia killed him, B, Batman was in the room and couldn't do anything about it. C Grayson was there. Any character was there that could see it on panel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, and so yeah. and here's I mean, I agree with a lot of your points. I do think that probably would have been a better concluding paddle. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of the emotional fallout is coming in the next month of Batman titles. They all say Requiem on the cover and deal with the death of Damian Wayne. Um so I you know, I think we're going to get a lot of the emotional follow up or the emotional fallout from of better this. writers. In the yeah. other book, yes. Yeah. Well, and let's you know, but like, here's, but I mean, I, I, I still disagree with you guys about the villain who killed Damien because I mean, this is a character who has been in the books for two years now, and you know, it's a character that has been built up for two years now, and I, I'm not trying to defend Grant Morrison's writing per se, but the fact of the matter is, I mean. This is the buildup. This is this was the confrontation that they have been building to was between Damien and essentially the good Damien and essentially the bad Damien. And, you know, you see him as this faceless guy who you don't care about. But the the regular readers of the title do care about that character, do see him as the, this major villain and the, this big confrontation that happened. And but don't you problem. think this death didn't happen in his main book? I'm sorry, but, Batman and Robin is the main Robin book. Uh, on, it has Robin go, in its name. Before you retread that ground. Um, yeah. So, but here's the thing, Paul, is that, you know, obviously you'd think Grant Morrison of the foresight to know that he's killing a major character and that he, a lot of people are going to read this who perhaps haven't been reading Batman Inked at this point. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. So shouldn't in his storytelling within the issue of where he dies have built in a little more to the bad guy? A little that, exposition. A little, yes. a little ex, yeah, a little, a little a build a little heat behind the guy that, well, that, that shows a little bit what's happened over the last two years to give it even, for all those new people who are that, picking up for all the people who are picking up for the first time are going to get that. Um, even besides that, Andrew, he knows that a lot of people are going to read this. that have never read it before. Shouldn't there be something in here to try to hook those readers to continue reading the book that he's writing to the end um, and to give them a, a good idea. Cause I don't think it even mentions, like I knew that was a clone from reading news articles. I don't know that it ever actually mentions who the character even is. That's killing. He, he mentioned. He mentions the only thing he really mentions brother. at one point. Yeah. He's like my brother, my twin, my rival. Yeah. That's all. That's the only exposition to set up their dynamic. And in, in, yeah. in yeah, let Paul. Let Paul. Let, we, we've asked Paul a lot of questions. <laughs> Give Paul a chance to reply to him before we pile on more. Because read the concluding chapter 
or even the, pe- the, 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 the next to last chapter of The Court of Owls or Death of the Family or any of those other storylines that we're loving that we started from the beginning and tell me that they are brand new reader friendly and you can pick up the next to last chapter and hop right in and understand everything that happened from the very beginning. Look, Paul, we're not going to be swayed by your facts. <laughs> but look, I mean, and I think there's a difference oh, no, between, I I I would argue a difference that, between a six-issue – I think there's a difference between a six-issue a storyline and, and a two-year arc. Well, and I agree, and that's why I mentioned Death of the Court of Owls because that was 11 issues, and it actually but started it was all one month. before. But it was, also, it was also one month. No, no. The Court of Owls started with Batman number one. I'm thinking Night of the Owls. Sorry. Sorry, no, um, yeah, you're, but Court of, you know, started actually. It started with Batman Gates of Gotham before it even started with Court of Owls. Okay, so, so, so Paul, I, I, I think you, I think you made a slight point there that when we look back at it, you know, Nightwing, for example, Nightwing had its tie-in with Death of the Family. They knew that people would be reading Nightwing that hadn't read Nightwing before because of it. And I think they did a great job of putting in things to make people interested. A couple of us are buying Nightwing now that weren't before because we saw what they did in that storyline. When they have the main – the final issue of that – of uh, you know Death of the Family, I think does a good job of showing what the Joker has done up to this point to them. Yeah, and I don't see that in this issue, though. He knew people were reading it that would know nothing about his storyline, and he didn't do anything at all to try to hook those people. Well, then, I mean, here's my opinion. If you like the book, then go back and read the other books. And But before I even go there, I do want to say I am not arguing with you guys that I think Grant Morrison is the greatest thing since sliced bread. All I'm saying is I feel like Damien's death in the pages of Batman Incorporated – was was justified by the fa- by the fact that Batman Incorporated has been the story of this battle for Damien, and it it's been the continuing saga. I say saga, but the continuing story that Grant Morrison has been writing. Here's, and yes, yeah, while, while we while we love Batman and Robin more, and I I am not disputing that fact. I love Batman and Robin so much as a series. I do, however, feel that you know, I mean. It's it if Grant Morrison if this was his story you know this is his story and you know again I'm not as upset about it as you guys because he he freaking wrote future Damian Wayne stories that take place when Damian takes place for takes over for Batman so uh, it duh he's not I mean he's dead but he's he's coming back so I mean it's I mean the the fact I mean it's it, 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 I just maybe that's why I'm not upset about it because I know I mean three months ago he already said there's going to be a future for Damian. Here's the problem with I have when I ha- what I have with that Paul is that when we had this conversation about Alan Moore's creative rights we all fell on the side of DC and now that we're talking about the creative white rights of Grant Morrison your, your opinion has changed and I no, don't no, understand no. the not, difference not at all not at all and m- m- you misunderstand me DC is fully within the rights to bring back Damian Wayne next month if they want to however DC allowed Grant Morrison to kill the character and they said it is okay to write the story you want to say. Now, if DC had gone to Alan Moore, which I, they probably did, and said, in fact, they did. Oh yeah, about Alan doing Moore, the uh, and, about and, collaborating with uh, before Watchmen. Well, even but no, I'm talking about the original Watchmen because okay. right. in the original Watchmen, Len Wein, the editor of the book, said change the ending. The big giant octopus is stupid as shit. He he said that. He said change the ending of Watchmen, and Alan Moore did not change the ending of Watchmen. Despite what DC asked, they and but they let him do it. I mean, they didn't stop the book. They didn't fire him and get a new writer. Um, they 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 allowed him to tell the story he wanted to tell, even though they didn't necessarily agree with it. Now, 
that that I think is probably closer to this than before Watchmen. Because I mean, if they want to do a Damian Wayne ongoing series in, in a couple of years, more power to them. Do whatever the hell you want. You know, they do own the character, but I mean, they are also allowing Grant Morrison to tell his story, much like they allowed Alan Moore to tell his story, despite misgivings about the way the story went. Well, I just so, want to thank Grant Morrison for killing the one thing I liked in the New Fifty Two and uh, cutting that tie. Can we just say that uh, you know, in the aftermath of this, Dick Grayson and uh, Tim Drake have a lot to be accountable for because oh, because they were in the room when it was going on, and Tim Drake gets trapped under something heavy, um, and Nightwing gets taken out like a bitch. He's thrown into a trophy case and knocked out. You know, I got to say, the book I'm looking forward to the most, uh, other than Batman and Robin, is Nightwing, the, oh. the, the Requiem book for Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I well, have to say the artwork on the cover of uh, of Teen Titans for dealing with uh, what Tim Drake's you know going to be dealing with for this, he, there's a creepy smile on his face. Well, and I have a question, Paul. What are they going to do with Batman and Robin now? Yeah. Um, okay, so Batman and Robin, the next issue deals with and, the fallout. Uh, the fallout, you know, yeah. Batman, Bruce's fallout. Um, not just Bruce, but Titus, apparently. Oh. Bruce, how Bruce and Titus handled the death of Damien. So, you know, that'll pull on your heartstrings. Yes. Um, and then for the next couple of months after that, the title will be Batman and Red Robin or Batman and Red Hood. And he'll be teaming up with former Robins. Um, and, you know, they haven't said what's going to happen after that because, I mean, it's still early. You know, you don't want to put all your cards on the table. But, again, I do think that Damien's coming back. Is Patrick Gleason staying on the title? As far as I know. Okay. I mean, we do know that – I mean, Graham Morrison is the same guy who killed Batman in one book, got all the media attention, and then brought him back in the very next issue of Final Crisis. So, I mean, I don't think Damien's going to stay dead long. No, but, I, you know, I, I think he comes back pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, it, it's already said that at some point, you know, he comes back, he he saves Gotham, and he becomes Batman. So, I, he'll be back. I always Let's... took those to be out of continuity stories. I actually, you know, reading this, I don't see him coming back. I know everyone else says he will, but I don't see him as the kind of character that comes back. I think they're going to leave him leave him dead for quite a while. I mean, I think we'll see a new Robin that will probably end up dead itself. They will it's, suck. Yeah. As I, I don't Probably. unless Morrison brings him back right away before he leaves, and if he does, then I think it undercuts the story he was trying to tell. I don't see why they would bring him back. But here, but this is the story he's trying to tell. Robin sacrificed himself to save Gotham, and you know, at some point he might come back and become Batman. I mean, that those are those are Grant Morrison in continuity tales, and you know, I mean, we're we're, we're judging the story based on not the ending. You know, this isn't Batman Incorporated number 12 series finale. You know, th- there are still four issues to go after this. The story is not done. Okay. Well, let's. I, I think I think we've all put out our positions <laughs> on this. I think I think we've chewed this meat about as much as we can. And yeah. We all agree that so Paul is wrong, and so is Grant Morrison. So we can move. Let's on. let's cleanse our palate with some Aquaman number 17, <laughs> which I think let's, we can all out, agree on. Yes, with salt water in the fucking wound right here. <laughs> so, you know, this is, you know, we, we finished the Throne of Atlantis uh, storyline. This is the beginning of a new storyline. Uh, Arthur, Arthur Curry, Aquaman, has ascended to the throne of Atlantis. His brother, Orm, is imprisoned. Uh, and you start to see the fallout in, in what Arthur's, his kind of his new role that he's trying to take with the, with uh, being the king of Atlantis. So, Aaron, what you read this week, what did you think? It seemed wet. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, 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 Paul, what did you think? <laughs> um, so as the epilogue to Throne of Atlantis, I think it did a good job of setting up the new status quo, I guess, of the series with Arthur trying to rule the Atlanteans. Um, I like the new artist. I mean, I know he was there for Throne of Atlantis, but this is the first time we've seen him outside of the crossover uh, paul pelletier yeah yeah i I think i think the art's really gorgeous yeah i think he dovetails in nicely behind ivan rice Mm -hmm. yes yes i I was just gonna say um no no, aaron you had your turn you said it was wet it was wet (laughs) (laughs) also a little fishy (laughs) (laughs) only only when miro was on the page oh Oh. Oh. it was it was it was a whale of a story it was a whale of a story i like the appearance of the sea devils in it um you know they're 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 an old school kind of uh of uh, group of dc heroes and you know they've you know kind of eco-terrorism in in the modern book um I dug it. I I, I think the, the book, uh, number one, looked great. Um, I like the pacing. I kind of like resetting who Arthur is and what his relationship is. And there was that really nice page where he's you know down there talking to the fish. He tells us he doesn't talk to fish in many books, but he's down there talking to the fish. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would love a poster of that. It's a, it's that a, it's a pretty page. Spread where it's he's a, just standing there posed and... Yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. You know, I got to say, I do have concerns, though, about the ongoing status quo of the series. Uh-huh. Okay. And, it, and hopefully they're unfounded. But, you know, we talked a couple of months ago about Thor, God of Thunder, right? And how my favorite Thor stories are those that are still tied to Earth. Right. I'm hoping that Aquaman is still tied to to the land. To the surface world. To the surface world. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, I, I don't want to just see Aquaman, King of Atlantis. I want to see Aquaman, superhero. I see a lot of uh, a lot of indications that it will still be tied. I mean, he's his brother is up there, and now he's found out that his brother may be, you know, sentenced to death. Can we talk a little bit about you know uh, Aquaman interve- intervening with uh, the whalers? And you know, he says you're done hunting for good, and the whaler says, "Well, I have a license." And Aquaman says, "To fill a specific quota." Now. Are you going to complain about how Aquaman knows the details of his license? That No, I'm not going to complain about that. What I'm going to complain is that, okay, so Aquaman can support the killing of whales up to a certain level. But beyond that level, that is over the line. Yeah, some of them. You can kill a whale or two a week. I think from Aquaman's perspective, I would think that killing of any whale is inappropriate. And, I mean, I understand that, you know... uh, He's he's trying to abide by surface laws, but you know I would think that murder is murder, right? Whether I mean, it's think, over the limit or not. <laughs> I would I would think that uh, Aquaman probably is a big a big proponent of sustainability and uh-huh. and realize he's also pragmatist and realize that humans going to eat fish and use whale blubber. So you know I I think he's both pragmatist and he believes that you know it's you know circle of life, uh, food chain, uh, some animals with bummer get taken out. See, the story hey, that I'm really be. the story I'm really hooked on in this book, and it has been since the beginning, is him and Mira. Yeah, so what? now that he's not living with Mira at the moment because she can't go to Atlantis, and now the police are going after Mira. As that's the story that really has me hooked is their interactions. I mean, their relationship is going to have to be strained since it's now they're not living together anymore. Well, so, I think what we're building to is Aquaman taking Atlantis and attacking the surface world to free Mira and his brother. I, I think that is 
what we're building to. Mm, I you don't think so? You know, I well, I, I think that's a possibility. I just hope it's not. It's not the possibility I want to see. Yeah, it's not the possibility I want to see, but it seems like what they're setting up for. See, I could see that coming. I could also see uh, the JLA getting involved again with with you know interviewing with Orm's trial and and Mira because really, what has Mira done wrong? You know, why actually, are, if they want to the take Aquaman, yeah, that's from, that's built up. Have you read Aquaman since the beginning? Yes, yes. Because, I, I know. I know she had some so, some squabbles with the police earlier, but you really need to show up with a SWAT team. It's like you know showing up to take in Batman. I mean, or I, or Aquaman, or but, any of these heroes who have had a somewhat you know difficult yeah. relationship with with the and law. I mean, first. really, all she did, all she was trying to do was buy dog food. No, no. Exactly. What, what she did, what she did. Let me tell you what she did wrong. Okay. It's a crime being so hot right there in the mini mart. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Excuse me, man. You're so hot or afraid the store's about to combust. You better step <laughs> But that's okay because she can put out the fires. But but I mean, does it really think that Mira is going to have any serious troubles with the law based on what we see in Aquaman? I mean, she hasn't done it really anything. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, sure there's something that we haven't seen yet that they're going well, to reveal. The I mean, real like, question, what will make I mean, the difference is how she reacts to this. Yeah, if she goes down and actually goes in, then I don't think there'll be any major trouble. If she's if reasonable. If she fights back <laughs> yeah. like she typically would because she has anger issues, yeah. then I could see this becoming something bigger. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe almost... they'll explain more, but I think they, bring in, they are bringing her in because she's Atlantean and you know the Atlanteans attack the surface world. Yeah, but I mean, they, that's that's duplicitous because because they know Waller, Director Waller, and anyone in leadership there knows that the reason she's not in Atlantis is because she's that doesn't get along with Atlantis and she's anti-Atlantis. At top of that, so she's actually she, radicalized against their enemies. So yeah. I don't know why they'd want to try to force her back into Atlantean arms by persecuting her. And she's actually said, but maybe not to uh, anyone that would lead up to Waller, but she said that she's not from Atlantis. Yeah, she I don't from know. There. Yeah, I don't remember that part, but I believe you. She said it in the uh, during the course of the last storyline, okay. and we don't know her new origin in the new Fifty Two. Right. So it could be anything. And I'd well, hate for her to get in trouble just because she reacts badly when they come to take her in, because then you're just creating the problem and, and with your writing, right? You're saying, "Well, I want her to get in trouble. How can I make her in trouble? Well, I'll have people show up to take her in, I, and then I'll have her react badly and fight them, and then she'll actually have something to be in trouble about." I mean, I'm enjoying the book. It does seem like Jeff Johns is on for at least another couple of issues. I mean, I'm pretty sure he announced he was leaving the title, but... You had said that previously. Yeah. Yeah. But he's on, I mean, at least through what they've solicited. So maybe he decided to change his mind. We know a book that's coming out that I am so excited for, so excited for, is Guardians of the Galaxy. And their point one came out. I'm not usually a fan of point one. It's not point one. It's not point one. It's one tenth. It's Guardians of the Galaxy one tenth. Oh, well, then I'm all about the one-tenth. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so that explains why I liked it, because I don't usually like point ones, but yeah. I love I love the tenth book. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I was, uh, I was coming in with this not knowing anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. I have never read a, you know, a Guardians of the Galaxy story set in modern day. I only read a little bit of the, uh, the series that was the far distant future. I don't know a single character in here other than what you guys have said about the characters on you know previous podcasts. And this sold me on the new series. I'm going to be buying Guardians of the Galaxy when it came out just because of how much I enjoyed this you know, one-tenth issue. Yeah. I, I think I enjoyed it a lot more when it was Nova number one. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with Aaron a little bit on this. This actually makes me a little worried for the series more than excited, more than you know, because I, I was already excited for it. Okay, so what, 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 what about it makes you worried, Paul? Um, well, as a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians, the Guardians um, of the Galaxy, Guardians, big, God damn it, put on the Guardians of the Galaxy. God damn it, I am a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Put your brother on the phone. <laughs> oh, great Christ. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, one of my favorite characters of Guardians of the Galaxy is Star-Lord. Okay. Um, you know, everyone loves Rocket Raccoon and Groot, but Star-Lord has just as much personality as uh, as Rocket Raccoon, I feel. And um, But I didn't get that from this book. I, I feel like they, 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 they made him very straight-laced. And, um, and blonde. And blonde. You know, they just made him super – they made him like Captain America in space. And I, I wonder if they did that just so they could amplify Tony Stark being on the team or Guardians – or, you know, Rocket Raccoon. I mean, it's hard to tell because it was only a couple pages. But as an origin yeah. story, like Aaron said, I, I just read a story very similar to this last week in Nova. You know, a guy with father issues who is abandoned by his father. Well, and family See, and house gets blown up and, you know, he wakes up in the hospital and, you know, discovers his, uh, you know, what's going on with, with, with his, you know, past and backstory. I just – it's the, – the beats are so similar. No, I, See, and I didn't that. read I didn't read the Nova and I because I have no interest in Nova for the most part. This really just sold me on the character. I mean, I have no idea who Star Lord is supposed to be or who Star Star Lord has been or how to properly pronounce the name Star Lord. Wait, apparently, wait. It's, 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 it's Star Lord, Star Lord, Guardians of the Galaxy. God damn it! But I have it yet. I said I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the relationship. Between his uh, his mother and father, I enjoyed him as a character just from reading this. And I don't again. I knew nothing about the character going in. You know, I this is all brand new, and I think this is meant to hook a new reader. And if that's the case, it was successful. I am hooked, and I'll be buying Guardians of the Galaxy number one solely because I read this issue. Yeah, it's well, not I, bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it was a good book. I just, I think it was too similar to Nova. Yep. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I hope that we see more personality from the Guardians in future issues. And this is only a point one. It's not the first issue. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and apparently, I, think, I already bought issue number one because it was supposed to have come out two twenty seven two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sigh. Nice editing job there. Well, you know, I agree with you that kind of juxtaposing it next to Nova does. The origin part of the book is very similar. Now, Paul, when you're talking about how he's just too straight laced and he's too Captain America in space, I I think based on the uh, one, two, three, four, seven panels. Actually, no, I'm sorry. That's six panels that you see of future of current Star-Lord. I I don't know if you can jump to that. I don't know if you can really discern what he's going to be like within the pages of, of Guardians of the Galaxy based on those six panels of him talking to Tony Stark. And I would say a successful writer would give you the personality of the character in that first page. I see. I don't. I, I think. I, it, 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 I think they're finishing. DNA. They're they're finishing the origin story, and he's talking about you know why he's out here. It, it has nothing to do with his you know future motivation. Well, it talks a little bit, but it doesn't really talk about their means or how they're doing things. So he can be a very complex guy, but in the course of if you try to shoehorn that in this. You know, four panels, him talking about his his past. I think you're going to get a, a little bit busy of a page. Now, if they yeah. maybe added more future stuff, they would have had the space to work that in. And I think I got a lot of his personality from this. I mean, 
I had no idea what personality was supposed to be going in. And I got this to be a this is an incredibly driven guy who's done everything he can just to get into space to get out there and get revenge. And he seems like he has a really strong personality just from this. But it's a different personality than he used to have. But maybe it's the personality that's going to be in the movie. And maybe it is. And, you know, I know oh, this yeah. is probably movie friendly. Yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not saying again, I like the book. I'm looking forward. I'm going to read the series. I'm just I'm I'm concerned about the character differences from the DNA run versus this run. Well, and Aaron, do you see those same differences since you're you guys were oh, have also both read a lot more Guardians than than we have? Absolutely. No, the the, the Star Lord that is in this book is unrecognizable to the Star Lord that is in the DNA books. But I will say the Star Lord that was in the DNA books is unrecognizable to the Star Lord that was in the Marvel Preview Presents book back in the late 70s early 80s. Very true. So, I mean, Star-Lord is a guy who has been reinterpreted at least three times now. Um, and, I, you know, I really – the, the uh, Abnett and Lanning story is near and dear to my heart. I love those stories. But, uh, you know, I may have to make room in my heart for what Bendis is doing. And you should make room in your heart, Aaron, for Vibe. You know, I think you're probably right. Wait, yeah. heart? <laughs> yes, in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we, we, this is the book we'll talk about pretty briefly because we skipped it last week. Um, you should skip so, it the rest of the year. <laughs> well, we didn't skip it last week. We missed it last week because I wasn't on the show. I still don't understand why you would buy this book. What about I, this book could possibly sell you? I bought it Aaron. because Paul told me to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Paul, that's fair. what about – oh, wait. You're a Grant Morrison fan. Never mind. I know everything I need to know. Okay. Well, Jeff Johns is one of the co-writers on this book, uh-huh. um, and I, I had read that it would be important to the ongoing Justice League of America storyline. Uh-huh. And though the character, I'm still not sold on the character of Vibe. I do feel like they are setting up important storylines to the DC universe. You know what Vibe reminds me of, Paul? Having read the story now, he reminds me very much of Cyborg. He's important because Jeff Johns told us he's important. Exactly. Um, I, I, essentially, that's what it is. I mean, and you know, what? he's interchangeable. You could throw Cyborg as the lead character of this book and yeah. not get a different story. Really? I, 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 I see where they're going. You know, but it just seems so formulaic. Um, it seems there's 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 some elements about the D, the new fifty two that I really don't care for, and it's the way everything connects. You know, I, I think that sometimes things aren't as connected as as the new fifty two likes to show them. You know, I think it just shows. You know, it's it, I, I hate I, I'm having a hard time characterizing, but it everything doesn't connect to everything else. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense at all? No, it does. I mean, because I mean, this it, it, this is one of those books, and I didn't hate the book. I'm going to put that out there. I didn't hate the book, but it's one of those books that feels like a means to an end. Yep. Um, you know, in that the, again, the character isn't important. The vibe is the protector of the multiverse. Just yeah, that, that that is how they made him important. And so you should all know we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that basically what this book has set up is a lot of ideas, which is the multiverse and that Darkseid has a daughter. Well, and I got to tell you that last page is is what will make me buy issue two, mm-hmm. because that last page where they reveal that Darkseid has a daughter and apparently she's locked up in somebody's basement. Uh, I'm like, OK, I'm interested in that. And if you had sold me a Darkseid's daughter book, I'd be all in for that. Yeah. Is Darkseid's daughter hot? Well, we haven't we seen her yet. yet. But yeah, how could she not be? 
But you I know, mean, she look was at Dark Side. Throw some, you know, you're thinking talking about you know Granny goodness. You know, yeah, that that's gonna be some hot stuff. <laughs> I just, I you know, she's gonna, she's, she is gonna cuddle up next to you, Wayne, and with Ed Asner's voice, is gonna make sweet love to you. If the thing had a baby <laughs> with Benjamin Franklin, that's probably what she's gonna look like. <laughs> with the Quaker hairstyle, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I will actually buy issue two just to find out more about Dark Side Star. Yep. And if they if they're stringing me along, if it's going to be a continual you know look at the at the vault or you know something in the shadow, I'll probably two will be my last issue. They're going to have to give me something in issue two for me to stay in. Agreed. Look, Andrew, we bought a crab sandwich, but we get a really nice after dinner mint. <laughs> yay! I'm going yeah. back to this restaurant. I, I'll be so, burn stealing issue two just to see what she looks like. So let's talk about crab sandwiches a little bit. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, this should be an interesting conversation then. Yeah, differently than you. And we had a lack of infantry conversations today, so let's keep going. Yeah. So, Young Avengers number two came out this week. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Kieran Gillen. Yeah. I love Kieran Gillen. Yeah. Um, I did not care for Young Avengers number two. In fact, not only did I not care for it, I greatly disliked Young Avengers number two. Well, let's talk about Young Avengers number one just to recap. We thought that was an excellent book. Yeah, yes. we it. were all just wow. The ending of, of Young Avengers number one was fan freaking tastic, right? And so wow. I, I came in to Young Avengers number two excited and was tremendously let down. Here's the thing: I think they're focusing way too in a book called Young Avengers. They're focusing right now these first two issues way too much on Wiccan and Hulkling. I would I agree think. with that as well. Yeah. And, and they're putting the team back together. Now, I will say it was disappointing not to see uh, Hawkeye in here. Any, anybody? Yeah. We saw we saw Loki. Loki. Uh, yeah, that was it. We saw well, him in the saw first Scarlet Mom. Well, and I, actually, I do want to say something about Loki real quick. And, and Tim maybe will disagree with me on this. But young Loki is dead. And this character is very much written like young Loki. And, um, you know, it, I... I, I I see I'm seeing no difference in the way the character's written. I say if this is what young Loki was like, then I need to go back and read some of the young Lokis because I absolutely love this character. Yeah. This and is I exactly what young Loki was like. Sucking into Hulkling this whole man love. This he whole idea gets... of he can't afford to pay for his breakfast, so he goes and saves them just so they can pay for his breakfast. Oh, I was sold on the character at that point. It was point. kind of a little ricochet moment yeah. for you, wasn't it? <laughs> but bacon is magic. It is magic. <laughs> it is magic. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think instead of kind of keeping things moving, and yes, they're getting the team together, but I, I would expect to see more of the team showing up. Instead, you have less team in at this issue than you had. Because at least you had, uh, what was it, uh, the the uh, American girl? Mm-hmm. Um What's yeah, her Miss name? America showed up. Yeah, last she was. Issue, she was in last issue. Right? Miss America. I still Chavez. have no idea who she is. First She's issue a, had uh, Hawkeye and Marvel Boy in it, and we didn't really see them. Well, we didn't see them at all in this issue. Nope. Well, so I, I don't. The only one who thought it was confusing as shit. Oh too. no, absolutely. It felt because, like a dream. It felt like they a go dream. to the Avengers. Yeah, yes. they go to the Avengers, and the Avengers turn them in, but they're yes. still acting like that actually happened. And I'm like, I don't understand because I thought they were. You say dream. I thought alternate reality. I thought maybe. Yeah. They were the ones sucked into the alternate reality. What's well, these so, Wiccan sucked in this, you know, interdimensional parasite that's apparently rechanged time? Because remember, there's all these years between when Wiccan's mom didn't die and the current day that things have happened. Right. And yeah. so, in those however many, in those ten years or however long she's been dead, who knows what this interdimensional parasite's done to change the entire world? 
Yeah, I mean, I just take it that she's as she's come through and she's uh, doing her goo all over people's head thing. Oh God, she's changing their minds. <laughs> well, but I mean, did she do that to the Avengers? Like, I, I missed. I must have missed something, and maybe I just need to reread it. Oh, yeah, I well, clearly I think, take it that that's what she did to the Avengers. Yeah, no, she I gathered that as well. That she has somehow infected all of these other people. Yes, but when? I mean, wasn't it just overnight? Off- off, well, but remember, they didn't. I, at least I'd have to maybe go back and read one. But I don't think they brought her back to present day. They made it so she didn't die in the first place. Maybe I just need to reread it because that's not the. I, I got the impression that they just no, brought her they, back. They brought her. They brought her into present day, is what I got. Well, mm-hmm. but no, you know, I, I Hulkling, think Hulkling slept really late, so she had time to go to Avengers Mansion and adjust things. <laughs> My guess is, being a gooey creature of goo, she doesn't need to sleep. And she can just go out and do this stuff overnight. Yeah, no, yeah, gooey creature of goo. Yeah, I and like I mean, it. from a storytelling standpoint, it's more impactful if they go to the Avengers and they and we don't see on panel. You know, I think it's more of an impact that the she's already oh, yeah. gotten to the Avengers and they don't know it. They don't and know we about it. Right? Know. Yeah. It is a mystery why you guys keep reading this book. Well, you know, this well, book I, is I incredible. I mean, I know that they're bitching about really? it. I Whoa. love this book. This book is. I love this issue. I love the first issue. Wow. I'm so, I'm sold on the title. This is one of my favorite books right now, which is wow. why I'm so shocked that you guys hated it. Well, I, did, I don't I, understand it. I, so to clarify my stance, uh, I really like the first issue. I just feel like the, the story's got, gotten bogged down. It isn't actually going into a Young Avengers book. It's more yeah. like Wiccan and Hulkling's yeah. uh, uh, you know, relationship problems. I with agree. Their family. I agree. They're the core of the Young Avengers to me. They always and I think what we're you know, they may be the is core, they're going to bring the other rest of the team around them the, to the fix where, what Wiccan screwed up. And together to fight off this international parasite, but I don't know. Yeah, this is Wiccan screwed up, and now the team's going to be brought together to deal with Wiccan's screw up. Well, I guess I, I like to maybe see, I like to see the pace be faster, because this second issue just bored me to tears. Oh, uh, see, I like, I love this pacing. I don't want him, I didn't want him to jump right into the team getting back together. I want this to be a strong early story that brings them together. All right. So and I know work, you guys aren't feeling work, it, but. It didn't work really nicely when I tried it last time, but I'll just do it during the mystery. Boom! <laughs> tell us about it, Tim. Oh, let me tell you what, Aaron. So, I am so happy I stayed on this book. Tell I was, me about it. I was hanging on the edge with Murder World. Uh huh. I love this journey into mystery. This is when Sif meeting Superior Spider-Man. And uh, I got to tell you, I kind of like Superior Spider-Man in this book, too. Yeah, no. It was, it was he, you know, he, he's guesting all around the Marvel Universe. And I, I would say that every guest appearance I've seen has been pretty enjoyable. Um, him trying to try, trying to uh, punch the Sif card was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Heard from Thor lately. <laughs> hey, did he give her the old, uh, how you doing? Uh, yeah, no, he's... He's, he's pretty he's pretty good but the part I love the most about this book Aaron is is that you know all the other asgardians sort of feel domesticated compared to these barbarians that she's running around with right. yeah like the the, the conversation with Sfip was was great yeah <laughs> I enjoyed you know all the monsters popping up around around the world and then you know it finally shows you Japan and you've got this big uh, giant creature popping up from from the ground and they're like oh look it's Roe Mm-hmm. And, and Japan just keeps going on. No, there's no, there's no re- response to him because you know giant monsters uh, stomp on Japan every day, and the monster <laughs> just looks so depressed that nobody is responding. Cares? To him. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> just I, love that face. It was really good. There's a scene in Broxton that I love. It's the bartender saying, "Hey Jackson, you're gonna do me a favor." And he's like, "This little kid's like, what's in it for me?" And he's like, "Maybe Asgardians won't set you on fire." And they don't show this, but I figure I'm kind of shrugging. Uh-huh. And then the bartender's <laughs> like, "Or maybe I won't tell your mom where you've been." <laughs> And next scene, he's out the door running. Uh, <laughs> so, so, good. so, you know, um, a lot of this journey started when Sif got her berserker warrior powers and uh, Heimdall, you know, distressed at, at how berserker warrior she was, threw her into the pit, into this other universe where these, uh, you know, Asgardians of, of lore have been, you know, fighting nonstop. So she comes back all cheesed with Heimdall and, and greets him. And uh, um, has she cut his head off? Yeah. Because <laughs> it kind of looks like she cut his head off. Head gone. <laughs> Done with your bullshit, Heimdall. Yeah. You throw me in a pit, I'm going to cut your fucking head off. Uh, yeah, the whole barbarian thing, Aaron, is like, there was a hundred of us when we started. Now we're down to three. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. I just love it. But yeah, Heimdall's head gone. So uh, I got a feeling that we – they they led a little bit into what's going on there. But uh, so, that was a so really who, nice scene to end it. Who's guarding the Rainbow Bridge now? Well uh, – F and nobody. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so the Bifrost is open. Oh my god, the ice giants are coming. And that may be the next issue. Well, it seems oh. logical. Now it says to be concluded. Did it, it say that? It does. It, the the uh, I, and I don't know if that means that the story arc is going to be concluded or if the series is going to be concluded. Mm. Uh, Paul, have we heard anything about a cancellation on this series? Um, I I have not. I believe it's still continuing, and I think it's still continuing with Sif. So I, I think it's just a um, this particular storyline is com- concluded, and they're moving on to the next storyline. Okay, I was just it a little would, concerned would, when it, I saw it would, that. It, yeah, it would fit, you know, Aaron, because everything I love gets killed around here. <laughs> I'm, start, I'm starting to feel like fucking Wayne. I understand, but no, or Journey, into, Journey <laughs> into Mystery is uh, is pretty damn awesome. I've really enjoyed it. All right, so another another woman that people are reading comic books about. That's a transition to is Bionic <laughs> Woman number eight. Paul, you you, you bought this book. I did not. Paul, there's a, Paul, there's a right type. There. Yeah, there's a typo there, Paul. It's supposed to be A-J. Oh, AJ. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. God, Paul. <laughs> I suck. Fire. So, Aaron, we, you know, we've been reading Bionic Woman. It's up to issue eight. You know, it's yep. still being written by Tal Tobin, and he's doing Paul Tobin. And he's doing such a great job. Uh, and this is a really great place, I think, for people to jump on. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I've been reading the uh, $6 million man book. I'm sorry. Well, you know, it's it's not anywhere near as good as yeah. Bionic Woman. And, yeah. you know, I have to say, I felt the same way when I was a kid watching those shows. I always felt like the Bionic Woman TV show was a better story than uh, The Six Million Dollar Man. Largely because, you know, the Bionic Woman, you know, had a home that she went to and she had a supporting cast. And it wasn't, it wasn't always just Adventure of the Week. Right. Whereas what I'm enjoying here is that she's not completely tied to what happened in you know the original TV show? They, they've really kind of uh, you know spun her story out more than uh, what they're doing over in the Six Million Dollar Man books. Um, I gotta tell you, I love this storyline. It's a, you're you're absolutely right. It's a fantastic jumping on point. They, there's a lot of exposition here explaining who the character is, what the character is, and what her situation is. Um, totally dig this story. And there's a fantastic scene that happens in a uh, you know a model com- shop. Yeah, a comic book model shop 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, nerd trying to hit on uh, the bionic woman and the fembot that she's having a conversation with. And uh, pretty hysterical. Yeah, well, you know, she's looking around. She's like, why do all these – the Fimbot, who, you know, is a little out of touch with her life. She's like, why do all these female models have such large breasts? <laughs> <laughs> the Bionic Woman's like, apparently that's what men like. Oh, and I, and I particularly love how, how the Fimbot – she says, you know, I've learned all I needed to know about sex from the internet. And, and, <laughs> and she's like, no. no, no, we have to have a sex talk now. <laughs> it is the most important conversation in the universe. Yeah. Well, you know, they're talking about they, they pull up this one model. She's like, this is a combat schoolgirl alpha extreme. It's really rare. <laughs> and, you know, the Finbop just downloads this stuff from the Internet. And so they're going on and on about it. And then the the comic book mouth breeder, like the, you know, the guy like uh, who probably works at Paul's not favorite store. Uh-huh. Uh, comes up and the starts Wah-Hot hitting Doug store. Yes, comes <laughs> up, starts hitting on these two women, and it is hysterical. Did you just call him a mouth breeder? Because that's pretty pretty gross. <laughs> mouth breeder. I like Aaron's breeder. name for the shop, Bah Hot Dog. Yeah. So yeah, I you know if you're if you're interested in, in you know a great story, a bionic woman, uh, you know it's a great place to start, and uh, they go back and and do a great job of recapping, and I, I highly encourage people to jump on. Yeah, I I think you know honestly I I do think she's a she's a better concept as a bionic uh, agent than Steve Austin is. In, well, because she's not really an agent right now. You know, in, in the book, in the comic book, she, yeah. she is divorced from the agency yeah. and is uh, kind of doing her own thing, which well, I also like more than just here's your mission, go do it. Right. No, it's 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 really a, a well structured book, and I, I'm totally digging it, and I'm enjoying the the story on the fembots. Yes. Yeah. It, it, have any of you guys read the activity by from image? I have not. I read the first issue, I think. I, so I read the second trade last night. Uh, and that's the thing I didn't like about it was it was very much it's it's a, so it's about a military uh, like the cream of the cream of classified operators, you know, run out of this secret agency by the u s. government. And it's 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 just here's the mission. This is what happens on the mission with lots of military jargon. And now everybody's back. Here's the new mission, and I'm sure they're going to come together eventually. But I read an entire trade. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is rough. Yeah. But go on. Uh, let, let us move on to to the, uh, the beginning of something else that I think is going to be beautiful. Uh, Artifacts number 25 came out. The beginning of the progeny storyline, and you know, things are finally coming to a head in the new universe that uh, the darkness has created. Yeah, not just the progeny storyline, but the progeny crossover, because it continues in, next week in the pages of Witchblade, and then the week after that in uh, Darkness. So this actually crosses over all three of the the major top cow titles, and um, it, it's you know so Artifacts started as a crossover, and at issue thirteen or issue fourteen, it turned into this you know the, the establishing the new universe. And now that we're um, about a year later with issue 25, things are coming to a head, and the the main characters of the new Artifacts universe, or, I mean the new Top Cow universe, are confronting Jassi, Jackie Estacado as to uh, his imperfect universe that he has created here. And um, it, it, I think it, it was gorgeous. Yeah, if, if, to, to sell you on the pitch, uh, this issue is essentially Tom Judge, the Heartstone, the Angelus, and Magdalena going up against the darkness. Yeah, and it's 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 a damn good book. It it reads like a sequel to the original Artifacts, really, uh, the original crossover. So mm-hmm. if you enjoyed that crossover, I I would recommend picking it up. I mean, it seems like it's going to affect all three of the titles. Um, it also seems like you know in the new universe, Sarah Pazzini never had Hope, the baby. Right. 
Yes. Uh, and it seems like that's going to be a big part of the storyline was that is that she'll remember having hope in the other universe. Well, and, you know, and I, 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 I did take a look at this one with you guys, and uh, it goes without saying the art on this book is, is still tremendously gorgeous. Oh yeah. But I, I think it's finally gotten to the point where the action's ramped up that I'm, I'm, I'm more interested again. Yeah, it's less um, investigative walking around. It's more this is the this is the the conflict is coming to a head now. Yeah, they're at the volcano. They have the ring. Let's do this. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and, they're, they're done uh, walking yeah. through the Shire. They're done walking through uh, Gondor. They are now there. Yeah, and the standoff scene between Jackie Estacado and those 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 other four characters, really good. Yeah, the way they've been building Tom Judge up, I mean, it's like a badass priest. I know that's yeah for like the last statement for like a year, right? It's for about twelve issues now. They've been building up Tom Judge since they started yeah. the new universe. Exactly, and it's just been you know, I mean, all this is you know, so Finch is the Angelus, and there's um Doctor Rosa something is the Heartstone. Uh, just, just call her the Heartstone. The Heartstone. Heart heart yeah, and Doctor so, Heartstone. I mean, and you know, I guess the Magdalena is still the same character, but I mean, I just I. The, the way they all came together and the, I, I it's it's funny because we talked about one of the issues some of us had with the first artifacts crossover was that it spent a little long getting the teams together and um this book didn't no i mean they started together and then they flash back were to, to the, the pitch the, to, yeah. to the pitch and yeah. then a flashback to the fight i mean like it this was like the first six issues of artifacts the original crossover in one well, and I'm uh, I'm excited to see where it goes in Witchblade next week. In fact, I may have already read Witchblade for next week. So I, I haven't read it yet. I'm I looking forward read it, to I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. But two other quick books to talk about. We've got uh, two new books, actually both. Uh, well, one new book, one pseudo reboot of a new book. <laughs> uh, first is Five Weapons Number One comes from Image. Uh, Paul and I read this, and, and Tim in. I gotta say, I, I don't know if I'm sold on it, guys. I, the, the general premise is this guy shows up to this assassin school. It's very tongue in cheek. It's it's a lot like Harry Potter. In each school, there, there's five houses, and each of them is is themed on a particular weapon. You got guns, clubs, uh, stabby things, uh, exotic weapons, and I'm uh, I'm forgetting one. Um, guns. No, you said guns. I said guns. Guns, guns clubs, knives, and- other. <laughs> Exotic clubs or something, yeah. So maybe yeah. there's four schools. I think uh, so. I think there's four schools. Well, there's five, but that's fine. Um, I I kind of liked it. It was popcorn fun, you know. I I liked the thought of the the normal guy going to uh, Hogwarts and uh, trying to rule the roost. I thought it was kind cool. of, and that's the reveal at the very end of issue one. Spoilers is that uh, oh, this course. guy. This guy, everyone, he's built up as being the the heir to this famous assassin. And he's got this huge pedigree, and everybody starts to defer to him. When they, it's like you know, it's literally like Harry Potter being the chosen one. And at the end, you find out that he's an, the servant imitating the heir as, as part of the, the larger plot that's going on. And so he's trying to fake his way through it because as a servant, he's not allowed to touch weapons. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was honestly, I thought it was a little silly. It was. I mean, no, I, it I, is. I, no, it's not a little. It's not a little. It's a lot silly. I mean, I thought it was a fun book, but like Andrew, I, I didn't, you know, I had read some early reviews on it that said, you know, give it a shot. It's like Harry Potter meets, I don't know, Harry Potter, Hogwarts with assassins. And I'm like, that sounds like it could be fun. And it was fun, but I didn't love it. Um, I don't know if I would pay for this book. Yeah. I mean, I as a preview, pay, I would pay, yeah, I would pay 99 cents for this book. That's what I do. I, when there's a 99 cent sale. I would pick up this series. It just it wasn't strong enough for me to really be invested in the characters. 
And that's very different from the other book we're going to talk about real quick, which is the reboot of Jim Zug's uh, Skull Kickers with uh, – and I had to read to understand this. It's called Uncanny Skull Kickers number one. And apparently the next four issues are all going to have adjectives in front of the Skull Kickers name, and they're all going to be number one issues. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you said that or I might have missed him, Andrew, because uh, as they described the, uh, the last book as good popcorn fun, that's how I described this one. This was just a fun book. This is a this is a couple steps above the popcorn fun and five weapons. You got to go down a couple levels to five weapons. Skull Kickers takes it up a couple, but you're right, it's still a, just a very fun fantasy mayhem book. Yeah, yeah, and everything you need to know they give you within the first couple pages. They do yeah. because I've never read anything Skull Kickers. They did a nice job of just giving you a here's everything that's happened up till now. Go. Yeah, it's it's the beginning of the third story arc, and I actually hopped on and started reading Skull Kickers at the beginning of the second story arc, and they did the same thing there, where they very much give you everything you need to know to get into it. It's sort of obnoxious to me, though. You like, did? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. The Which part? The, the bo- thing? Okay, let's let's start with the bottom quarter page on every single page. <laughs> yes, I love it. That, that was awesome. going to annoy me, but I really enjoyed it. That was it. obnoxious. You know, I every, like every sound effect is the sound effect that the guy wrote basically so tremendous smash or, or whatever it, it's uh I, I don't know i i didn't i, I didn't thought that was it. funny rummaging through boxes <laughs> gorillas <laughs> with horns or or the it was the uh the uh jungle fun montage page <laughs> yeah it was fantastic it you know i like the dwarf as a character but i just love what they did with this issue i said this was pure popcorn <laughs> fun to me there's it's not a deep story. It's just a fun story. It was a fun read that was funny. The I thought the art fit, fit this type of story perfectly. I yeah, really I, I had a ball reading this one because I said it was just fun. And really, I think that's how because Jim Zug also writes uh, does the writing on the Pathfinder comic book. And I think that's very much the difference between them is that the Pathfinder is very more higher fantasy. It's very much ah the goblins are menacing this town and you know there's a backstory and there's a geography and there's gods and uh, there's a pantheon and oh my god it goes on and on and i enjoy that but i also really like reading skull kickers because it's just the you know what it is it's how how people think about role-playing a lot of times people think about role-playing D&D, and they think of something like pathfinder they think of something that's very solemn it's they think of lord of the rings like we're gonna do this epic stuff but you know what it turns out when i play D D most time it turns like skull kickers yeah, it, I, I read yeah. this book and it, I gave it very much a Hackmaster vibe because I have a whole bunch of those from, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. That's what I got from this. And I, I don't know. I, I thought it was it, I need it dialed down like a half notch for me to really enjoy it. I mean, it wasn't bad, but, but it but got it, it over the top it, too much. If it took itself any if it took itself any more seriously at all, I think it wouldn't have grabbed me as much because what I got out of it, like I said, was pure popcorn fun. And if they tried to tell a serious story, I don't think I would have been as hooked as I was. And Tim, would you agree that this is – it's while this is, is down a bit, it is a few steps above where Five Weapons is. Yeah, five yeah weapons as far as just ridiculousness. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, Paul, did you like this book? I yeah. uh, I enjoyed it. I, I I did enjoy it quite a bit. You know, I've been missing that fantasy element since I dropped, or since John Rogers hasn't been writing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> One that, that, so it, it, I might give this one a shot. It might fill that void a little bit for me, unless that series comes back. I was gonna say that series ended when he left, right? Yeah, it, it essentially ended. Yeah, I mean, they stopped making issues when he left. They did that last storyline down in the with the dwarves, and that was it, right? You'd like uh, to think so. Well, I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss issues, actually. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, no, no, I'm pretty sure that there. was it. It was like issue 18 or something like that. All right. So, 
next week, Age of Ultron starts from oh. Marvel. Uh, Very so. exciting. Everybody's in, right? Uh, Good yeah. chance to jump off some Marvel books. So let's see. Let's look at Fear. Let's look at uh, uh, no, Fear no, itself. No. Let's look at Jan AVX. Oh, here it goes. Let's uh, <laughs> let's think. What do I want to get into Age of Ultron? The answer is no. You're all in then. You're no. Okay, so it's Andrew's so bad. In. It's so bad that even being on a comic book podcast can't drag me into this. <laughs> I'm in, but uh, also the conclusion of the Hell on Earth storyline next week in Superman number seventeen. Very exciting. Oh yeah, I'm excited about the ending of that. Um, and also kind of exciting for me. Um, Batman Gotham, Batman Gotham by Gaslight new edition trade paperback. Serious? Huh. Next week? Yeah. That intrigues. Hmm. It's a uh, bargain priced on Amazon. It's like less than ten bucks on Amazon, and it's Gotham by Gaslight plus the sequel that I never actually read. Huh. Is it Which trade or hardcover? Trade. Mm. Written by Brian Augustine, art by Mike Mignola. Oh boy, I, oof. That's, yeah, so, that's a pretty book. So yeah, d- definitely some good stuff next week. So uh, okay, what I'm really looking forward to is at this point we're 20 days away from Wizard World St. Louis, the first major comic book convention that St. Louis has ever had. We've we've never seen anything of this size before. Tell Lou Ferrigno I, I am, said hello. I am pumped. I can't wait for this thing because so I've I, never been to a big comic convention before. I think the therapy session went well today, boys. Uh, I think we learned a lot about each other. Got got some feelings out. Paul, I want you to hit the showers. I want you to towel off, hit the steam, you know, get a good steam in, you know, get refreshed. I'll do that. I don't want you to get, I don't, I don't want those bruises to hurt tomorrow. So, you know, loosen up. (laughs) I haven't worked a bar of soap that hard in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to make a sack of oranges reference, but uh, thanks for, thanks for the sock, for the, for the (laughs) sock. It's only because the wet rats had already left. (laughs) All right. So Andrew, I'll buy you Age of Ultron so we can argue about it next week. Oh my, well, you know, honestly I I would read it, but now I feel like I have to buy you things, but, you keep buying me horrible things. I'm like, what horrible <laughs> can I buy Paul? Like, what, what just awful piece of dog poop can I buy Paul and give well, to him? I have now? Based on this week, I think you should buy him Young Avengers number three because he seemed to really hate number two. It's not a bad point. Oh, yeah, I um, I also hate uh, <laughs> I, I also hate Green Lantern, so you should buy me number eighteen <laughs> next week. <laughs> also doesn't like the PlayStation 3. <laughs> yeah, and I hate the Rocketeer Cargo of Doom hardcover that comes out next week. And, and you hate, hate Asian whores. He hates. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to go with gift yeah. cards to Amazon, but I like Aaron's bet. Aaron's wins. Aaron's wins. All right, guys. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>